Welcome to From the Bronx with Love, a podcast where we explore pop culture, food, music, and as a bonus, random rants all done with a multicultural lens. We're your hosts, Karen and Dom. What's up, everyone? You guys probably missed us. Dom, did you miss recording? No. I'm kidding. Of course I did. <laughs> Imagine I was like, no, ready to quit, walking out. I'm done with this. I need a new contract. <laughs> Uh, remember that when we were in LA, mm-hmm. we said we were going to record, and because there was so much going on, we just never recorded. I don't know if there was so much going on, or like we just wanted to stay in bed. Because when we decided, <laughs> when we decided, we were both in the hotel room, and I think Keeping Up with the Kardashians was on, and oh, yeah, were, were kicked up, and it was, you know, we're like, we're gonna record, we're in the room. And that um, never happened. Yeah. So <laughs> don't let Karen fool you, miss. We had so much to do. I mean, we did. We did. <laughs> yeah, we did. But actually, this is the first time that I ever watched Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Yeah. I always criticize other people for doing it, but there was nothing else on TV. So I was like, okay, might as well watch this. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I never criticize anyone for your trash television because I'm also a consumer of trash television. But that is like e-television reality shows I've never gotten into. Like, I have never been into the Kardashians, never been into Total Divas. Like, any of those shows on E, I was never really into. Okay, Anything on Bravo, though, um, that's a wrap. If the Kardashians (laughs) were on Bravo, I think... We would be at different ends of the um, <laughs> spectrum. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's what we did during the trip. I mean, we just didn't watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians. No, we did not just do that. <laughs> no, obviously, that's not what the trip was for. <laughs> obviously, like we mentioned, we went for work. So, yes, we did a lot of work. And I think I was like the most productive that I ever have been. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I guess because our sleep schedule was still on New York time. So yeah. When I woke up in L.A., it was probably like, sometimes I would be awake by 6.30. Yeah, same. And so I could catch up on my emails and everything. So it was amazing. Yeah. So I definitely realized why everyone, or not everyone, but most of the people, at least the people that I know and follow in L.A. are pretty fit. Because I would, my body would not sleep past like 9.30. So 9.30 in LA time is 6.30 a.m. And I would just like wake up fully ready to go to the gym. No pre-workout and no coffee, which I normally need. I, I normally need coffee in New York. And I need to like set my alarm like at 5.30 so that I can press snooze enough times by the time it's 6.30 for me to wake up officially. I that so didn't surprised. happen. Yes. You surprised me because every single time that I would wake up, it was mostly around the time that you were coming back from the gym. Yeah. I, I, to be honest, guys, I did not work out. I was like, work out? What's that? I don't know that word. <laughs> but Dom, you were so committed. Yeah. I mean, my body was ready for it. So I get, I see why, I guess, people who are transplants from other places 
who live in LA and still have like their old time. I know it's like nice being three hours behind. Yeah, it is. I like it. <laughs> I really like it. I really liked it as well. And I think the second time, well, this is the second time that I go, I enjoyed it more than the first. Mm-hmm. I yeah. feel like I, 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 I experienced different parts of LA and I was just feeling amazing. Like I told you, my, my pains, like my back pains, I forgot about them. Oh, wow. Yeah. Didn't even need to do my stretches or anything. So I was just so surprised that basically LA took my pains away. Mm. So I was really happy about that. I have heard from two people who, um, who are New York transplants in LA. They love both cities and they love it for different reasons, but they felt at the time when they moved out West, they felt at that time in their lives, it was a time to take things slower. So um, I think maybe that might have something to do with like the go, 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 high stress, everything's urgent in New York, and then you're more relaxed in LA. Because that's also what I felt too. Like I felt like there wasn't, it wasn't fast paced. I don't know. Like there wasn't even like in emails or like we're working with people because we were still on call. It was yeah. work. It didn't feel like when I would get an email before I take the train to go into the office, I'm already on high alert. Yes. Um, it doesn't feel like that in LA. No, actually, you're right. I I didn't feel like that at all. And basically, like, I only had like, what, probably like three hours max to get through my emails. And that was enough. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we were able to do everything else that we were supposed to for work, Mm -hmm. which didn't require us to be in front of the computer. And I just didn't have that urge to like, you know, go online and check what's going on because it didn't feel like everything was like super urgent. Mm -hmm. It's just a different vibe, to be honest. It is a different vibe. And that's what um, these two people I've talked to who said there was like, they love New York and they're native New Yorkers, but they said that there was a point in their time where they, in their lives where they felt like they needed to chill out. Literally it was like chill out. And I feel like that's, I know that's like so stereotypical. It's like chill out, dude, in LA. <laughs> but like that's true. Like you don't. I don't know. You just like yeah. don't hustle, or like no. the hustle isn't as hard on your body and yes. spirit. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Because they're still hustling. They're getting shit done. Right. Yeah. At the end of the day, L.A., especially Hollywood, is a company town, a very industrious town. Yes, exactly. So they're still getting things done, but it's just that it's this way of life, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I think, like, now that you mentioned it, that these native New Yorkers who now live in L.A., where you said that, you know, there comes a time in your life where you just want to take things a little bit slower. Yeah. I think that's why... When I went three years ago, I wasn't really feeling it because mm-hmm. I was still in my party mode. Like mm-hmm. I was like clubs, clubs, clubs. And when I went to LA, it was like, um, okay, 
how am I going to party during the day or how am I going to party like so early, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that is why I just wasn't feeling it. Whereas now I don't club as much here in New York. Mm -hmm. So being in LA was fine. I was like, okay, we can do these day activities. And then by nighttime, I'm okay with staying indoors and going to sleep. Wow. And obviously the next day, waking up super early and getting shit done. This is a massive shift change in you. Yes, it is. (laughs) Yes. This is the, uh, this is the Karen that I was. So you're, you're dumb went two years ago and I'm still this. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying we shifted identities because I'm I'm with you. I'm like totally fine with staying in. But I remember two years ago and I was like, oh, yeah, I just like want to stay in, take things slow. I feel a little burnt out. You know, I'm old. Karen is like, nonsense. <laughs> because you're... I was, I was 24 then, right? Exactly, yeah. And 24 was like when I was in, in my prime partying time. <laughs> It was like no matter where the party was, Queens, Brooklyn, the city, I was there. So that's why when you would say things like that, I'm, I was like, no, Dom, you can't say that. <laughs> and here you are. I won. I infected you. I think so. It might have been that too. It yeah. also, yeah, I think it also depends on the people that you hang out with. <laughs> I would, I would hang out with everyone that would like just party even on a Sunday mm-hmm. versus now I hang out with people that, um, you know, just don't party as often and have other goals, I guess. Or just like to sleep. <laughs> yes. Or I like to sleep. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why I was, I was feeling it this time. And I think, you know what, I am so so grateful that we started this podcast back in January. Ooh, nice. Because yeah, I was going to say, I felt like there was um, more to just like the gratitude, but let us in, let us in. (laughs) So because of this podcast, I feel like it has become easier to connect with other people in LA. Mm-hmm. And I want to send a big shout out to Maite from Cabronas y Chingonas because she was the first person that I reached out to. Um, I think it was on a Tuesday and I was staying in downtown LA with my family. And so I messaged her and I was like, hey, it's Karen from the Bronx with Love and I want to know if you're free. Maybe we can hang out. And yeah, we just kind of like set this up at the last minute, which I really appreciate from her, like, and the flexibility that she had. And we met up, even though we technically never knew each other, but because of the podcast, you feel like you have this connection with people. Yeah. So I was out there just making connections with fellow podcasters and it was amazing. It was, it felt like I've known these people for a long time. Yeah, so that is um, kind of the thesis or, like, what we want to kind of get into. I mean, we can talk about how much we, like, enjoyed our time in L.A. We, like, sat poolside. (laughs) You know, we're, like, big Hollywood honchos. But, yeah, um, one of the things that's really important for us to realize as young 
women boss ladies kicking mm-hmm. it um is like networking and the things like kind of like the things you do to make the right connections and one of the things happened for us to be travel and like within that travel Karen and I both learned really valuable lessons about like connecting and building community um yes and like community I guess like continental community (laughs) across the country (laughs) um but yeah I wanted to I think this was a good test um because we had a I think like a month after we launched this podcast I went out to LA and Mm -hmm. we had a whole discussion about like my my trip out to LA and I thoroughly loved it I I was like ready to never leave my Airbnb (laughs) they would have to like physically kick me out so our different like I just every time I go there it just like grows and grows my love yeah my affinity for it just grows and grows um although I do want to say I'm not all that impressed with Sunset Boulevard but that's another conversation (laughs) um but yes so I feel like with this um and being in the industry that we are um in media and New York and Los Angeles are both like the top places for media Mm -hmm. communication um I thought for me, um, I also was able to reach out to more people in film rather than Karen, who's just doing her podcasting. (laughs) Um, And I found that with the travel and making connections, making inroads prior to meeting up with people um, is huge. And... That for me, because I have such an issue, and I think I might have mentioned this, but I do have such an issue and maybe it's still like I'm working through it, but like I never really want to reach out to someone knowing that like I want something from them. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yes, yes. We had this conversation. I think it was in the episode where we talked about internships. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So I like hate this whole like, it's who you know and make friends with this person because they're going to get you somewhere. That to me feels incredibly inauthentic, but this exercise and this travel actually made it easier for me to understand like, no, you don't have to be like, Hey, I'm only coming to you because I need, you know, um, I need a, uh, a favor, I guess. I need a favor or I need visibility in like the film community or, or, um, podcasting. Um, so when you talk about meeting up with Maite and like, even though you guys never really met, but like, it's like you already felt like it was very easy to have something flourish. I think that is super important as like young professionals. Yes. And also I wasn't reaching out to her because it was like, Oh, like, please give us a shout out or whatever. No, I was reaching out to them genuinely because I enjoy their show. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this person seems cool. And I would like to, you know, connect with them. And of Mm -hmm. course we did talk a little bit about, you know, their podcasting experience, but I just didn't go out there to like, just get all their secrets or whatever, you know? Right. I was also, then you did it all wrong then. (laughs) 
I was being a fangirl, I guess, a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I was really happy about how the podcast really helped out to make those connections as well. Yeah. And then um, I know you also had some other exciting things. I want you to talk a little bit more about like, basically, Karen is just like (laughs) mowing things down, making super big inroads with especially like Latinx podcasting communities. In one day, in just one day. I did it all in one day, which was amazing. Hurricane Karen. (laughs) How do you say Huracan? Huracan. Yeah, Huracan. Yes. Karen. (laughs) <laughs> that's you oh thank you mm-hmm. yeah in the best way in the yes well yes I had a pretty exciting Saturday afternoon because honestly Saturday morning was kind of lazy and we were just getting from one place to another and so in the afternoon there was the Vida panel which was hosted by Locatora Radio and Latinos Who Lunch Mm -hmm. And it was at the Chinese Theater in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And so for those of you guys that are not familiar with the show Be That, I mean, what can I say? You're really behind on news. Okay, throwing shade at your (laughs) co-host. And so the the cast that was there from Be That was Melissa Barrera, Michelle Prada, Ser, I'm going to butcher this, her last name, Ser and Swatigui, I'm um, mm-hmm. sorry, and Marielena Las, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And of course, also, obviously, the producer, Tanya Serracho, was also there. Nice. And it was such a great panel, not only because the cast from my favorite show was there, but also because two of my favorite podcasts were there also, but because the conversations that they were having were really meaningful and I just fell in love with that show, obviously, because it takes place in L.A. I get that L.A. vibe, but also because they touch on really important issues that are currently happening, like gentrification, amongst other topics. But it was about an hour, I believe. Yeah. And then once the panel was over, I was able to get pictures with some of the cast. And I was, I had to control myself, (laughs) but I took pictures with Melissa and Michelle, who are the two main characters of the show. They were so nice. They were so grateful that, you know, people came out to, to the panel and everything. And I really encourage everyone to watch it. And another fellow podcaster that I met with was also Luis from Nos Vemos en el Swap Meet. And he was awesome. And actually, Dom, I don't think I mentioned this to you. So you know how from Wednesday through part of Saturday, we were in Anaheim? Yes. Okay. And then we had to make our way back to L.A. And so Luis had actually offered to drive us back to L.A. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he texted me while we were in the lift you know, heading to LA, he was like, oh, you know, since you're staying here in Anaheim, maybe I can give you guys a ride back to LA. And, you know, then I had to tell him that, you know, we, we got that covered by the company that we were with, but it was so sweet of him to offer that, even though we hadn't really met in person yet. We met until I got to the panel. Yeah. 
And so I met him and he was really cool, very down to earth. He introduced me to other people as well. I just felt like I was making connections all over the place. That's amazing. <laughs> I was being so, uh, what is it called? Very, uh, I guess, like very social and making all these connections all in like the, the span of like three hours. Okay. So that's incredibly impressive. Um, I think when I went to a television film mixer, I think I really only spoke to four people. <laughs> but um, what are your techniques? Well, in order to get my picture with Melissa and Michelle, I basically just, I was a bit nervous, you know, to go ask them for a photo. But then I was like, okay, the worst they can say is no, and that's not going to kill me. So I just like, went straight to it and you know I obviously told both ladies how much I love the show and the characters and then I was like oh can we just take a quick picture and we took a selfie and that's how it was for them that's how I approached that situation in terms of the other fellow podcasters that I met I had reached out to them prior to the panel and said like hey I'm in LA for these dates if you're available to meet up, just, you know, like send me a text and I included my number and that's how I made it happen. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I know it sounds so easy, but yeah, was, in my head I was debating, I was like, how do I word this? Like, I don't want to inconvenience them. I don't want them to be like, I don't want them to feel forced, you know, but it would be great if they could make it. So that's why I was like, Hey, if you can, and if you're available. So I, that happened yeah okay yeah because I was like there's no way it's as breezy as you just walking in and everyone no, turns their heads no, 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 no. and they're like Miss Karen no and then also um I feel like Mike that was like my guide through this to be honest oh, that's because good. when I arrived to the theater I was waiting in line obviously the panel started at five you could start making the line at four because doors open at four thirty. So you know I was going to be there early. And as soon as I got to the line, probably like two minutes later, Maite arrived and she was standing on the line with me. So then we sat together when the panel started, and then she was also the one that, you know, afterwards introduced me to Armando, the creator from Undocu Tales. Oh my God, my favorite. Yes. So she was the one that introduced me to him because I saw him from far away when I arrived. And, you know, he was out there chatting with people. And then I was like, how, how am I going to approach him? <laughs> I was kind of nervous. And so after the panel was done, I told Mike, I was like, oh, there's Armando. Like, I really want to meet him. And she's like, sure, I'll introduce you. And That's amazing. I, yeah, I was like, I was, I'm so thankful to her, to be honest. So that also helped out. Don't think that I'm like this, like networking butterfly or something. Because <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. So it like, it sounds like for you, and there was no drinks involved, right? No, there wasn't. No. Hmm. I actually well, am more, I'm <laughs> like a lot more butterfly-esque yes. with, you know, maybe a shot or like a glass of wine. <laughs> 
Well, you're very, yeah. by, by the sound of it, and like, not even like by the sound of it, because I see a lot of fo- photographic evidence. Oh, yeah. You're not following us on Instagram, go do it so you can yes. see what she's talking about. Um, it's how it like, you, it was very effortless, or you, the connections just like once one hit, it like was a domino effect and it all. Yeah, fell. yeah. That's how it was. Yeah. But you also did some networking. Yeah, so I was um, very honored um, to meet up with Rebecca Theodore Vachon from um, Twitter. She's her on Twitter. She's known as Film, um, I guess Fatale NYC. Um, I might not be saying that right. Anyways, she is a film and television (laughs) critic. She's written for Entertainment Weekly, Forbes, New York Times, Ebert Voices, The Urban Daily. Um, she has a Patreon where she creates um, little videos of uh, television and film reviews, which is awesome. I'm a subscriber. Um, she's great. She's New York-based. Um, but it just so happened that the both of us were in L.A. doing film and television stuff or just media stuff in general right. at the same time. So she, which is very small world, was um, uh, moderating a panel. Okay. With um, who's the main character of Vida again? Well, there's two. The two sisters. Okay. The the slender one with the hair. With the long hair. The long hair. Yes. Oh, that's Melissa Barrera. Yes. That was a panel she was moderating, like across the way from where you were. Wait, wait, wait. So Melissa Barrera was at the scene at that panel that you were at? Um, I did not go. I did not attend the panel. Oh, okay. Okay. Got it. Mm -hmm. I only met Rebecca. Oh. Afterwards. But the panel was beforehand, before you even went to the Chinese theater. Okay. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So because there was a conference in town. Oh. Yes. I see. Yeah. And the theaters are very close by. So. Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Small World, Vida <laughs> was also included in my networking. Yes. Um, yes, I had the opportunity to meet with her. Um, I want to say that she's one of the preeminent like Black women voices when it comes to representation and identity in um, media. She's like been so like helpful in helping me kind of construct my own like lens as when it comes to um, representation and like as a filmmaker, I think that's really important. Um, so I just want to give her a really good shout out. And she also, um, she also was leading the campaign. Um, I don't know if any, well, let me say any of you, it's just you. <laughs> <laughs> but like I the you, audience is going to respond to you though. yeah guys just let me know just you know <laughs> um but there was uh i think this is still ongoing in production from the creators of um uh what's that show i don't like on hbo game of thrones um, yeah whatever whatever tweet me same. i don't like game of thrones <laughs> anyways um the creators of game of thrones um they are developing a show in which um, the Confederate part of the United States actually did win the Civil War and what that would mean for um, a a reimagining of America. Right. And we're like, "Mm, 
Trump is a Trump is the president. We have an actual like KKK sympathizer in the Justice Department. We don't need to like visualize what it might seem like if people like that were in power because guess what? People like that are in power and look at the policies that mm-hmm. have been implement m- implemented to really adversely hurt people of color. So, no, we don't need to fictionalize and romanticize this nonsense and think about it from like a different detached like sense of media. Like it's it's a lot of people's realities. Yeah. Um, wow. I just got really defeated. <laughs> oh, we know um, your feelings. Yeah, so she and another um, woman on Twitter who's also, like, a cultural commentator and um, a writer, uh, April Rain, came up with the hashtag No Confederacy, and that was a really successful campaign. They've been on media outlets to discuss this and why this is vastly ignorant and ahistorical and kind of fanciful um, idea to push and it's just like oh you know it's like white people like oh yeah let's think about like what if like black people weren't liberated from slavery through this through the civil war uh. like it's just it's it was messy and she really took the mantle of being like listen no um so I had a great time speaking with her and um I think that kind of also the same way that you and my day kind of connected that happened because it was very last minute. Okay. <laughs> we were like both like, oh, yeah, we're in L.A. Um, just like two days before prior. And we didn't even lock down a time to meet up until the, the day, day before. Oh, the day before. You did day of, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. OK, so you did be me. <laughs> Um, well, you know, I don't like spontaneity, so at least give me a day. I know. (laughs) So yeah, that, um, that happened. And I think this, um, because you were talking about like how platforms were very useful for you and connecting. So like the podcast as a platform and like social media, I would say Twitter for me as a platform, um, I am annoyingly part of film Twitter. <laughs> as much as I you know, tweet a lot of political stuff, um, I also tweet a lot of television and film stuff. And I have been able to weirdly within that build my own little community. And I have a couple of oh. people who are actually out in L.A. that I met the first time around. But it was great to meet other people from that community in LA again. And like, I feel like that is the next, the next, um, Oh, I am blanking on words today. <laughs> the next, uh, like, evolution. That's oh, the okay. evolution when you like, you take it offline and then you really start building. Oh, I see. Yes. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yes. So do you have any advice for, millennials like us Uh um who are probably first generation just like us or immigrant um in terms of like getting over the hurdle and making that connection um and furthering themselves in their professional lives because it doesn't necessarily need to be like you know you have to be in media I doubt like everyone who's listening to us is in media but like just general like let's say you're a med student or something you know I, yeah, 
I feel like you should always go ahead and reach out. Don't be afraid of like debating in your head, like, oh, are they going to respond to me? Because you don't even know what they're going to say if you haven't even reached out. So don't be afraid of reaching out. Like I said earlier, the worst that people can say is no, and no won't do anything. Like it's not going to do any harm to you. And always just kind of like give that other person flexibility and don't, don't make it sound so forced as to like, oh, I'm here, I must meet you. No, say I'm here wondering if you were available to grab some coffee or something like that. Usually that's how I start off. <laughs> So you guys kind of already have a template. And yeah, just always just go for it. Okay, that is the Karen guy to crushing it in the industries. <laughs> oh, if I had been in LA for another week, I would have met up with way more people. Mm-hmm. So LA, I'm coming for you. Yeah, so <laughs> we're probably going to have like a sister podcast. It's like from... LA with love with two Bronx girls. <laughs> well, that's why we're going to be by coastal. Yeah. So yeah. let's just be by coastal. Yeah, of course. I can't leave the Bronx. No, we cannot. Mm-mm. I love the Bronx too much. Even though it's like near 4th of July and the rate of fireworks is going to. <laughs> I'm excited going to go for up. that. Yeah, you know, I'm not a big fireworks person. I think I'm now, I'm now at the age where I can say that. I kind what? of just, like, bit my tongue or, like, I would always go with friends because it was also always a social thing. Like, we would okay. always be excited to be like, what town has the best? And this is when I was back in Rockland. But, like, we would always be like, what town has the best? Spring Valley had the worst. Um, Nanuet always had the best. Um, Pearl River is pretty decent. Um, and Haberstraw. But, like, I'm not a fireworks person. Oh, I'm at the oh age where I'm going to admit it. I'm a big fan. I'm not. If there are fireworks, I must be there. You don't oh. know. Like, when I was younger and 4th of July came around, I remember that, obviously, my parents didn't let me go out with my friends. And so I was either stuck at home or I would make them take me to where the fireworks were. Wow. Yeah. I would be like, well, they're happening here. Let's go here. So basically I was the one planning our 4th of July activity, which only involved watching the fireworks because then it was like, Oh, you're not letting me go. Well, then you should take me. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I also was having this discussion with my mom. I'm not, Ooh, I don't know how this is pretty spicy to say, but I've never actually been that big into Fourth of July either. Oh, yeah. Now that I remember, I don't think you do anything big for Fourth of July, right? Nope. (laughs) But May 18th, you won't even catch me speaking English. (laughs) And I'm out here with my flag. Um, But um, no, I mean, obviously... It's complicated history now that I have more historical context and I'm not just being, you know, force-fed like, oh, you know, greatest country in the world. But still, um, I'm very grateful that we have the day off. 
<laughs> oh well you see kind of like that's my my same reasoning I, it's not like i'm all here patriotic and you know whatever it's more because there are fireworks involved mm-hmm. sometimes it will include the beach mm-hmm. barbecues and the day off yeah you get into the holiday spirit <laughs> i do like, it's like it's, the holiday it's like the holiday summer spirit I guess, but it's not me walking around with the flag. No, that's what I'm saying. It's like, oh, yeah. the, like the overall general summer vibe that yeah. comes with for, like just having a three-day yes. weekend. Exactly. Whereas like I don't even get into that. <laughs> <laughs> How did we end up on this conversation? Um, I don't know. <laughs> but that's kind of our brand. I feel um, like basically this whole episode is about what we did in one day yeah what we did in one day so it goes to show you that when we are both really determined and I feel like yes you know women like us in general who are determined because you know there is something to be said about like the immigrant work ethic mm-hmm. and like I think and I'm not speaking for everyone but for the most part, like, I know that was instilled in me. So, like, if we want something, we're going to put our minds to yes. it. And I think it was excellent also that we were both able to um, connect with women in our communities as well. Yeah. Um, I don't think I mentioned it, but Rebecca is also Haitian-American. Um, so it was fun, like, speaking Creole with someone out in L.A. Oh. Like, oh, we're, like, the only three Haitians in Los Angeles. Um <laughs> And then you connected with a very large Latino, Latinx yes, community. So I think that was my favorite part. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's like what was the driving motivation was like that we were, it's not just like, oh, we're doing this for like work, but it was like, we were able to really connect with people who look like us and yes. have similar like life experiences as us and they're think, doing it yeah. in the industry as I well. Think that's why the connections felt like so genuine. Mm-hmm. Because it's people that look like us, that grew up like us. So it was so easy to make those connections. Mm-hmm. And what I was going to point out is that we were out here being social, but on our own kind of like different uh, areas, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like you were on one doing your thing. I was doing my thing. And then towards the end of the night, we just got back together to have dinner <laughs> Yes. Oh, do you want to um, <laughs> disclose where we had dinner? Of course. If you okay. guys have been keeping up with the podcast, you kind of already had an idea that we were planning on going to either Sir or Pump. But it was That's what we did. Fault. Well, yes, we did go to dinner to one of those locations, but we didn't go to Sir, which was the original plan because I forgot to make the reservations. So I made them the day of, just probably like six hours in advance. Mm-hmm. We were able to get a reservation at a pump, which turned out to be way better than Sir. But yeah, guys, we went to Lisa Vanderpump's restaurant. Yeah, both. Yeah. Yep. Because we initially, I think we said, we're like, we're going to go to either or, but you know, when in, when in Rome, <laughs> go to both. <laughs> yes. Although uh, I'm kind of sad that Lisa wasn't at either one it's, and that Tom it was a little disrespectful. Open. Yeah. Yeah. Not even Jiggy was there to say hi to you. 
Like, Jiggy, come on. You should have cleared your schedule. I know. Jiggy, Ken, all of them. They should have been there. (laughs) Um, I hope they're listening. I hope they realize that we are, although we are fans, we're still disappointed. And they, they have time to do better. They do. But overall, the food at Pump was delicious. I like five out of five stars. Yes, seriously. And the staff was also really nice. Our bartender was pretty cool as well. Yeah, he's pretty cute. Yeah, and then our server was... I realize you said cool, but I'm I'm going to put it out there. Cute as well. Okay, okay. Not my type. <laughs> I'm not going to say... Yeah, no. He's not my type. That's why I said I'm saying he's okay. cute. He was cool. <laughs> But the server, that's another story. Oh, God. He would just serve him up on a plate. <laughs> Be like, are you on the dessert menu? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can I take you to go <laughs> for the weekend? Yeah, he was, he was good looking. And his name, one of your favorite names. Guillermo? Guillermo, exactly. Yeah. I So I actually worked on a set with, uh, Guillermo, uh, he's okay. from Spain, so he doesn't do the J. So that's why sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't know how to say it. Oh, wait, so how did he say it? Guillermo. Guillermo. Yeah, okay. not Guillermo. Oh. Yeah. Okay. But huh. I'm going to say it your way. I don't Guillermo. care what his name is. He's from Spain. He's a colonizer. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I love Guillermo. Well, I call him Guille. Guille, okay. Yeah. It's one of my favorite names. Yeah. And he was easily one of my favorite people to look at. So look at that. (laughs) (sighs) So all in all, it was a very good trip. Um, We were very able to balance the business and the fun part. It was. I was a little nervous about. I thought it was going to be more work than fun, but it turned out to be a lot of fun, and even the work was fun. So I was just like, oh, I'm going to get spoiled. Yes, (laughs) it was. Both were really fun. Mm -hmm. And like you said, I also thought that in my head I was thinking, how am I going to answer emails while being out here networking with, you know, also people from our field? like separate from podcasts and whatever we do on the side. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how am I going to be working? I mean, networking with these other people, but I also have emails to catch up on and whatever. I thought it was going to be like this whole mess and I was just going to end up even more stressed, mm-hmm. but no, it was super true. Yeah. So you guys, it can be done. Um, only when your company pays for your flights and your hotels. Because <laughs> <laughs> we are still from the Bronx, honey. Um, and we're broke, so. Yeah. But yeah, that's kind of like our little recap of what went down in L.A. I think it's good to travel. Um, yeah. Especially oh, yeah. given how we were raised. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> and I wouldn't say I was necessarily afraid of traveling, even though there was a very big push to instill fear of leaving. Yeah. Right. Them with a lot of guilt. That was never my issue because I was like, I'm leaving the first flight out of here. <laughs> um, little did I know I needed money to do that. So that right. took a little bit of time. But it's still like, what, I my first traveling experience was 26 and yours was also 26? Yeah. 
so we're we're late bloomers, but you can tell that we're learning along the way. And yeah. I think just because we're late bloomers doesn't mean it never was going to happen for us. Nope. And just because like you probably who are listening to us are only traveling by train to your work or commuting and you're not like doing travel, you're not doing all these big plans and traveling around the world or like even crossing state lines. I mean, I'm yeah. pretty sure people are crossing state lines, but you don't get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't mean that like, it's, it's never gonna not going to happen for you. No, I totally get that. And I was thinking about that actually when I came back from LA, because back when I was probably like when I was like probably in my early 20s, I did think a lot about that. And I was so hard on myself because I was looking on social media and I was like, all these people are traveling. Meanwhile, I'm not. But then I, I was like, ugh, I was on another thing back then or whatever. Like I wasn't thinking straight. And now I realized I'm like, no. It maybe took longer for it to happen, but it's going to happen. And I have like my whole life ahead of me. So I have so many years to travel. So the fact that it didn't happen in my early 20s, that was not the end of the world. Look at me now. That is the perfect way to end it. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. And before we end this episode dom is there anyone you want to highlight because honestly i can't think of anyone right now sorry (laughs) i do have someone to highlight she i mean you guys have probably been hearing a lot about her um because at the time that you're listening to this podcast um she will have been, you know, all of your news feeds. Um, probably if you're more political, like I am, definitely been all over your news feeds for a long time. I've been following her for, I mean, not as long. Um, cause she came into my, my, uh, radar about like four months ago. Um, yeah, probably on my radar as well. Yeah. But I want to highlight fellow you know, Bronx girl, Boricua, Mm -hmm. 28, millennial, beautiful, gorgeous smile. She also has dimples too. Um, She's cut, like she's checking off all of the um, identity. Well, I'm not Boricua, but (laughs) (laughs) But there's similarities. Right. We're both Caribbean. Um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I just wanted to highlight that she is out here and she's doing big things and she like, she like less than a year ago, I think 10 months ago was a bartender at a bar. Yeah. Um, she's an act, she's an activist, but she's also an organizer. She was a community organizer. Um, very similar to, I don't know, Barack Obama, Mm -hmm. who was also a community organizer. Um, and she is just like such a bright light. Um, and she's just been out here really, really, really working for yes. the people and working class people. Not this like after um, Trump won the presidency and there was a lot of think pieces, a lot of op-eds about like the forgotten group of people in the United States. And that was the white working class. And that term never made sense to me because I was like, there is no separate working class. Everyone's a working <laughs> class. Okay. There's black, brown, white, yellow. Well, yellow, Yeah. I want to say yellow because that's like probably on, an outdated color. Um <laughs> But there's, like, people across all racial spectrums and ethnicities who inhabit the working class more so. 
in like in the general public because the gap between working class and the top 1% is so massive. So she was really out here for everyone. She's the woman of the people and I'm really proud of her and she's from the Bronx and um she represents the South Bronx part of Queens and I think a part of Brooklyn as well. I'm not too sure about that last part. Um correct me, but I'm really <laughs> I'm really proud and she's me too. really she's really energized. Like I will I will see so much that's about mild. her. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. <laughs> but um I see so much about her story and I just like send I'm reckless on Twitter. Like if I really love someone and just like I will quote tweet them and just put like hearts on them like I'm never going to meet them even though I might meet her one day and I'm hope to God she doesn't read my tweets cuz I'm like I really love you for real. You're amazing. You're amazing. Like <laughs> <laughs> when can we meet um no but she's incredible um and she also which i think even even up until a year ago was kind of very niche or at least even in the general um in the general political sphere it was a little bit like oh, we don't talk about those types of people but she is a democratic socialist and i know that word for a lot of people can be like, oh, that's yeah. weird or scary. But she um, has this really great um, quote, and I'm paraphrasing because people like make her out to be like this like radical, like Che Guevara kind of character. <laughs> of course. And um, she was like, there's nothing radical about um, moral um, compassion or something like that. I'm, I totally butchered it, but just like being moral and having a moral compass. Yeah. And that includes Medicare for all, which is a huge platform for um, de- like progressives. Yeah. But within the progressive umbrella, it, it includes democratic socialists. So like Medicare for all and, you know, housing and uh, education and a childcare; those are really big things that she campaigns on, and making sure that everyone has access to that. So there's really nothing that radical about that. There when isn't. you break it's it just down, what people deserve in this life. You know, that's beautiful, and we're <laughs> going to end it with that. Okay, awesome. So yeah, Latina women doing it big. Yes, chingonas out here. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for listening, everyone. Bye. This podcast was executive produced by Karen Almonte. You can follow us on social media to keep up with your favorite Bronx ladies. From the Bronx with Love is part of Anthology House Media.